Hello everybody, this is our eighth sermon looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Today we're looking at Matthew 7 verses 1 to 6 and the topic is judging others. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. William Shakespeare wrote a whole play based on those words. It was called Measure for Measure. It's classified as one of his comedies, but when you read it, you find it's actually rather dark and disturbing. Angelo, a noble yet stern lord, is left in charge of Vienna whilst the Duke of the city goes away for a time. Well, actually, the Duke only pretends to go away. He, in fact, stays close at hand in disguise to watch what happens. As soon as Angelo has taken power, he acts to tighten up the laws. He is a strict legalist and swift to judge anyone who falls short. This is seen when he condemns a man called Claudio to death because he's fathered a child out of wedlock. On hearing this, the condemned man's sister Isabella goes to Angela and pleads for her brother's life. Isabella was about to become a nun, so she does this in the language of the gospel. She reminds Angela that God's judgment is impartial, and that one day he himself might need to be shown the mercy found in Christ. The mercy that Angela refuses to show anybody else. This is what Isabella said. Why? All the souls that were forfeit once, and he that might the vantage best have took, found out the remedy. How would you be if he who is the top of judgment should but judge you as you are? Oh, think on that. And mercy then will breathe within your lips like man made new. In short, every human being is worthy of God's judgment, but God worked hard to find a way to show mercy instead. He made a remedy in Jesus. Just think what it'd be like if God judged you like you are judging now. Just think about that. Allow God's mercy to make you a new man, Angelo. A man who'll show mercy to others. Please release my brother. Angelo, of course, callously refuses. Claudio must die. However, as Isabella submits her heartfelt pleas to him, Angelo is overtaken by a desperate lust for Isabella. So he offers to spare her brother from his execution if she would sleep with him. From there, the plot twists and turns, but it climaxes with Angelo being found out. When he had been so judgmental on another, his own sin is exposed in all its sordid detail. He ends up on his knees in front of the returned duke, pleading for the death he knows he deserves. He condemned a man to death, and by doing so he condemned himself to the same fate. Angelo had been truly humbled. Shakespeare wrote this play, knowing that all the way through he was trying to illustrate the Christian message of justice and mercy. As Christians, we believe that our God is the sovereign God of all the world. He sees everything that takes place and will expose all sin, including our self-righteous and judgmental attitudes. 
We cannot pretend he has not noticed. We cannot pretend we've got away with them. God will have justice. And yet at the same time, we believe that God is so loving, he's worked hard to provide a way for forgiveness. He sent Jesus to take the punishment that our deeds deserved so that he could show us mercy instead. But it's not just that God lets us get away with our bad attitudes. He expects our experience of his forgiveness to change the way we behave towards others. This is what the gospel is all about. The mercy of the cross forgives us and then impels us to change our ways. Shakespeare's play ponders on this powerfully. I think we all need to spend a bit more time thinking about it. In this passage of Jesus teaches the truths that so inspired Shakespeare, we need to realise that God's twin character of being holy and just, as well as merciful and forgiving, is what underlies everything. In verses 1 to 5, Jesus warns us sternly against condemning others. We must not, on any terms, set ourselves up as moral guardians, critics of one another, bouncers to the kingdom that only will allow some in. We must not be judgmental. And as with all of his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has a particular group in mind as he speaks, the Pharisees and law teachers of his day. The Pharisees, although many of them were genuinely devout people, were basically a hardline pressure group. The Pharisees wanted to create a social climate where everybody was constantly analysing everybody else to see if they were keeping their standards up. They created a culture where neighbours would spy on each other and report each other if they were found to be falling short. Why did they do this? It was because the Pharisees believed that strict legalism was the way to perfection. Stern judgment was the way to eradicate all pollution from the pure Jewish people. And they believed that they could just scare the people into keeping all the rules for one day, then the Messiah would come. But Jesus, who was of course God's Messiah, come to earth, warned against all such judgment. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now Jesus doesn't mean by that that we shouldn't have high standards for ourselves or for our world. What he means is that the temptation to look down your nose at someone else is in itself the temptation to play God, as only God can judge. And since we are not God, behaving in his way means we are putting on an act. We've become a hypocrite, which as we thought a few weeks ago was the Greek term for an actor at the theatre who used masks to change their role. And as with the warning from Shakespeare's Angelo, who ended up being judged by his own callous judgment on others, we can see what will happen to such hypocrites who want to play at being God. Judgment will bounce back in their face. The measuring stick they use for others will be lined up against themselves. As we patronisingly try to dictate on other people's problems, our own problems will begin to loom so large that we're not able to see straight. Jesus goes on to say, Why do you look at that speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? 
How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This famous illustration warns us that the people who seem most eager to tell others what to do, or perhaps more likely what not to do, are the very people who should take a long, hard look in the mirror. Their criticism is unlikely to be helping others, and it's possibly covering up areas of their own lives that need urgent attention. Now, we need to be a little bit careful. None of this teaching means that we shouldn't strive to be holy, nor does it mean that within the church community we shouldn't try to help people remove the specks of sin from their life. That is, after all, good discipleship. I hope if someone here saw me going badly wrong, they would try to draw me back. Now, what this means is that we can only help one another with this sort of accountability if we have an attitude of repentance and a humility about our own lives and our own poor standing before God. We need to be people who constantly recognise how much we need God's forgiveness for ourselves, as that will then lead us to be merciful. When we realise that God has shown grace and given us chance after chance to reform, we will begin to do the same for others. So we have a grasp of what Jesus' teaching in this passage means. But we need to now ask an important question. Why is this teaching here? Why is it so prominent in the great Sermon on the Mount? Well, partly it's because this sermon is all about making us perfect like God. And as we see at the cross, God is abundantly merciful. When we show mercy, rather than being legalistic and critical, we are training ourselves to be like Jesus. But more importantly, this instruction not to judge is essential if the form of mission advocated by Jesus here is to work. As we have read this sermon, we have discovered that Jesus is calling Israel back to their vocation as a light to the world. By the way they live their lives, they are to shine out into the dark world a new, attractive way of being human. As they do so, people would come up to Israel to see what made them different, and then Israel could tell them about God. God's plan is for mission by attraction, to attract non-believers into the kingdom like a moth to a flame. Yet if people are going to be coming up from other lands, godless lands, lands of tribal religions, they're going to be coming up into Israel with all sorts of darkness in their lives. All sorts of stains and impurities, vices and corruptions. Israel are going to be attracting very broken people who are searching for more. Now, if Israel were immediately judgmental when these people arrived, only one thing would happen. They would drive them away again. A bit like people with Irish surnames at Pontins. And once that had happened... There is no way they'd be coming back for a second look. Israel simply could not expect the people coming in to already have morally perfect lives. Instead, they must show welcome, mercy and understanding. 
Rather than immediately judging these people's lifestyle choices, they were to preach the gospel, telling them about God and how his mercy triumphs over justice. Then instead of forcing people into a legalistic straitjacket, they were to let the power of God's mercy slowly but surely transform these newcomers from the inside out. And I hope we can see that the exact same thinking applies to the church today. If we get our mission right on Isla, there'll be all sorts of broken people turning up to church. Many of whom will have lifestyles that we might disagree with, but who are genuinely searching for something more in life. We could think of a cohabiting couple, or people with different sexual ethics to us, a recently released prisoner, a person into New Age spirituality, a notorious drunk, the list goes on. As they walk through the doors, what would our attitude be? Immediate judgment as if we are above them? A little bit of gossip? You'll never guess you came to church last night. Or would we welcome them, treat them with respect and simply tell them about Jesus? As we said earlier, it doesn't mean that their lifestyle doesn't need to change or they haven't made mistakes in the past. But it does mean that we preach the gospel and allow God's mercy to change them over time from the inside, rather than us trying to force law on them from the outside, as if we ourselves are God. If we want to be a light to our community, we just cannot be judgmental to those who do not yet know God. Instead, we must show mercy and hospitality and allow the Spirit to do the rest. So I hope we can all see the importance of this teaching. It really is essential if we are to be a missional church seeking God's kingdom in today's world. But just before we finish, we need to deal with verse 6. All of the teaching so far has been challenging, but we can begin to see the reasoning behind it. But what on earth are we supposed to do with verse 6 when Jesus says, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. I mean, come on. This seems a contradiction of everything Jesus has just said. We've been told not to judge, but here is Jesus in the same breath telling us to be discerning about who we share the gospel with. So what are we to do with this? Well, we need to see that this is Jesus giving a helpful comment on the practicalities of living non-judgmentally. In Jesus' day, wild dogs were no pets. They were unclean and dangerously disease-ridden. Wild pigs were also unclean scavengers known to ravage fields and even kill little children left unattended. Jesus is using them both as a metaphor for those who are hostile and dangerous to his followers. Both dogs and pigs hunted in packs, and precautions had to be taken to protect yourselves against them. Jesus says the precious truth of the gospel is not to be naively invested in people like this. Now again, this is certainly not what we expect Jesus to say, so what is going on? Jesus is setting up a great spectrum. At one end is hypocritical judgment of all people which we've just seen him flatly condemn. At the other end is naive acceptance of people in the community who damage others. Jesus condemns this also. This then is about wisdom. 
As Israel's light drew people in, some would wonderfully accept the kingdom. Others would reject it, mock it and become hostile. These were eventually to be walked away from. If you want examples for today, think on these. If someone came into church and shouted abuse all the way through the service and no one else could hear, we would ask them to leave. If someone came in and and troubled our children, we would remove them. In all these cases, we must not make hasty judgments. We must give fresh chance to make amends. But we would be wise to defend the vulnerable. Hypocritical judgment is condemned, but so is naive acceptance of bad behaviour that damages others. So to conclude, being a light to the world will create tension. It will mean people coming to church who do not have their lives nice and neat like we would want. It means that people stained by sin and all sorts of immorality will come to find out more And we've got to make sure they are not put off by our attitudes. The gospel reaches even to them. We are much more likely to fall into the trap of being judgmental than naively accepting. We've got to make sure that we treat others as we would want to be treated. We've got to preach the God of mercy and allow God to be the one that changes lives. We need to take a long, hard look at ourselves and search out the times when we hold judgmental attitudes. If we ask God to help us deal with them, we should become more like Jesus. And if we all become more like Jesus, our light will shine all the brighter into this community.